like them fast. Welcome to another edition of Scarlet Jimmy's. This is episode conference championship edition. We have Justice Mosqueda on with us. Justice, what's going on, man? Not much. I just ate some pizza. Talking with Kyle Posey, the hey. brightest mind in NFL Twitter. So <laughs> anyway, that's what he's told me, at least. So yeah, you know it. Uh, what kind of pizza? We, what kind of pizza we eating? Uh, I got Domino's because I had a redeemable pizza, and I'm a trash person. So wow, got Domino's right. thin crust. A classy individual. Did you spend more than ten dollars on this pizza? Oh, absolutely not. Like I said, I got, I got. A redeemable pizza so i ended up spending like 10 bucks for two pizzas and wings so i thought That's, thought it was worth biting the bullet on it that is a peak bachelor answer to have domino's pizza on a thursday when there's no thursday night like there's nothing to look forward to on a thursday you just use the coupon that's uh that's a single person this, this, this like, is my first meal it's it's four o'clock pacific so yeah wow. <laughs> loving it uh, Justice is a Packers fan. What, what's your background? Tell the tell, tell the folks about your what you do. What do you do? Nobody knows. <laughs> uh, I should post on Twitter a lot. Um, <laughs> but no, my job. my <laughs> I hope I hope that didn't get bleeped out. But um, I'm the director of analytics for Optimum Scouting. So we work with um, agents, players. Um, the XFL is our biggest client. <clears throat> um, essentially controlling their player pool and stuff like that. So. Um, I'm doing that stuff full time. Um, previously, I've I've written full time and uh, coached high school football, played offensive line, defensive line, coach offensive line, defensive line. Uh, probably did both poorly, uh, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of my background. I did a bunch of draft Twitter stuff for a long time. Um, so that's kind of it. Packers fan, Ducks fan, likes line play, is not allergic to numbers. That's essentially where I'm at. That is a great bio. Okay, let's talk about your Packers background real quick. Uh, so, been a fan for all your life, I imagine? Since the Broncos Super Bowl. So, okay. like, so 98 yeah, or whatever. Yeah, and I was born in 93, so I was, like, five years old at that time. How – okay, so let's let's talk about this year. Let's talk about last game real quick. So, Packers-Seahawks. Packers win, I believe, 28-23. <laughs> Leading, heading into the game, was there any doubt for you? Like, did you think that the Packers would blow it? Oh, yeah. I mean, there was doubt for me in the fourth quarter. I was like, oh, I've seen this one before. Um, you could see them like that. That second down, uh, that last drive, that second down where that they were trying to take that play action shot instead of running the clock. And uh, basically, they, they just mismanaged that play completely. And then Rodgers hit that nine ball to Devontae Adams bailing out LaFleur on third down. Um, That's a huge play. I mean, if they don't make that, Seattle gets the ball back. Right. Probably around the 30 yard line with some time to spend. So um, I totally thought that they were going to be able to blow that game. Um, they're not really that good of a team, to be honest. But <laughs> the San Francisco 49ers, I mean, they're they're clicking on all sorts of levels. I think it's kind of weird that, you know, we see some of the struggles that Green Bay has where it's like Blake Martinez can't really play coverage in the middle of the field. Um, Kevin King can get burned and give up 57 yards at any given point on any part of the field. And uh, on the offensive line, you know, that right side has kind of been an issue with Billy Turner's probably their third best guard. Um, and then and he just got paid a good amount of money. And then Brian Balaga can't stay healthy, which has kind of been, you know, the story of him since he signed that second deal. He's great when he plays, but I mean, he gets banged up a ton. Um, 
so yeah, I, I think there are a lot of issues. And then obviously, you know, everyone likes to talk about wide receiver, um, where they kind of struggle outside Devontae Adams and just rotate a bunch of guys. Uh, but I, I think this team pretty clearly has flaws, and it's kind of weird to see, you know, a Seattle team or something like that just not go at Kevin King every single play or try to run crossers across uh, Blake Martinez and stuff. So um, it didn't really seem like Seattle came in with the right game plan, and that's what I'm really worried about with <laughs> you Shanahan. Don't say. Yeah, well, I'm worried about Shanahan. I mean, all they got is track athletes, right? And they love to go, you know, those deep crossers across the middle of the field. Um, I think this is a pretty bad matchup for the Packers. So I'm glad that you are an honest Packers fan because Aaron Rodgers masked a lot of deficiencies last last week. Um, that game, I felt like, was the ultimate fraud bowl because these were probably two of the worst playoff teams. Um, I don't want to say in like recent memory and just get super um, you know, biased or whatever, but they're, they're just not very good. And Rodgers made some just ridiculous plays on third down that covered up a lot. He went six for nine on third down on third downs with that were third and six or more and he's just you know slot fade Devontae Adams or buying time just going in the pocket getting more depth and makes a throw out of his mind on the money and you know nobody talks about that you guys we have to talk about the things that are not sustainable and <laughs> will, will it work against the 49ers once or twice I'm sure Will he go six for nine on third and six or more against San Francisco? No, that's not going to happen because they just the way that they play where and we're going to get into this where the key to getting just beating Aaron Rodgers is a lot like Kirk Cousins. And obviously, they're two different quarterbacks, but you just have to be able to get pressure with four like anybody else because Rodgers is going to carve you up. But before we get there, let's let's talk about some of these uh the storylines that were heading into the NFC Championship because today, NFL Network, and today is Thursday, by the way, which we're recording, NFL Network, NFL.com had a story on Aaron Rodgers is a 49ers fan. And, you know, we're hearing quotes how he's a 49ers fan growing up. And obviously, the 49ers did not draft Aaron Rodgers, in case you did not know this. They selected another quarterback. And Aaron Rodgers has not let us forget that, nor has the media. And, I don't know. That's just never going to go away. Do you think we will ever not talk about that? I don't think so because it's just because like if we're still talking about it 15 years later when none of those guys are still in San Francisco, then we're probably not going to ever talk, not talk about it. And, you know, the McCarthy narrative, because McCarthy was there in San Francisco. He's the offensive coordinator when they took Alex Smith. Um, like that was kind of a whole narrative the entire time in Green Bay where it was like Rodgers was being coached by a guy who like didn't even really want him. And was kind of out out to prove that he was worth that selection the entire time and all sorts of stuff. And I don't know. I, I just can't imagine that going away. But I don't think that's what motivates Aaron Rodgers right now. I think he's trying to win a ring, right? Like, I think any sensible person at this point doesn't think that, you know, he's not going to get extra amped up because he's playing the San Francisco 49ers in San Francisco. It's going to be because, you know, he's one game away from a Super Bowl. Oh, thousand percent. I'm talking about more from like a reader's fans perspective where it's just nauseating to see these same stories over and over. And a lot of them are just regurgitated. But one of the matchups that does matter is Kyle Shanahan versus Mike Pettin. Real quick, tell me your feelings on Mike Pettin, defensive coordinator. I worry about him in the run game in this um, because they're almost always down a guy in the box. And you can watch him at the beginning of the year where they have – you know, Amos is playing inside linebacker for him. 
Um, and they're playing legitimate, like, dime defense against base offense looks. Um, so if that's his plan against uh, Shanahan, he might end up in trouble. The one thing that's kind of different about him than Zimmer, right, is it seemed – I mean, you would know this better than me. But it seemed like Zimmer um, against their two tight end sets, right, like they were just playing wide ends um, and letting those guys play the edge the entire time. And they ended up getting gashed a ton because they had two pass rushers where, you know – uh, Petten is kind of more of a hybrid up front than he is like a true like four three guy like Zimmer. So I think you know they're going to be playing games on the edge, which is where you want to play games against Shanahan because if he has an open edge, I mean, like I said, those track athletes they'll just run outside zone or run some sweep or something and take it to the house. Yeah, like you said, so Petten is in dime seventy four percent of the time during the regular season, which is amazing Whew. to me. I, that is <laughs> yeah. a number. Um, so yeah, they're in base only 8% of the time. So we don't have to really talk about that. Nickel, 18%, 74% of the but time. San Francisco's a pretty heavy team in terms of personnel on the offensive side. That's why I think it's kind of a weird matchup because I don't even know what they're really going to do. You know, the San Francisco Green Bay game the first time, I mean, it spun out of hand so fast that it's almost like hard to really value any of the film there. Um, not to I make agree. excuses or anything, but like when a game spins out of hand that quickly i mean it's basically the first, done in the first quarter right exactly it, it almost reminded me of um the uh green bay atlanta nfc championship game in like 2016 i want to say where it was like once Aaron rukowski fumbled that ball it was just like all right the game's over and it's just kind of filler plays from that point on so i don't know how much we can even take away um from that first matchup between the two teams so speaking of dime, the 49ers were in – I was watching – I watched the game the other day, uh, the Week 12 matchup. The 49ers were in 13 and 12 personnel quite a bit. Some of their best passing plays – and I still, one of these years we're going to get to the point where people acknowledge the best time to throw the balls in like 12 and 13 personnel. But the, they caught uh, Pettin's defense in thir- um, dime defense when the 49ers were in 13 personnel. And – Still, the the Packers were like outflanked or whatever, outnumbered in the in the back end, which is very tough to do. But they found a way. Um, it was it was essentially it came down to play action. Uh, Kevin King, who is the starting right cornerback, I don't know if do, do they switch sides. I think he mans down the right side for the most part because I know Jair does move down to the slot. And he's usually playing on the left, so he's right, the so opposite of Sherman essentially. Gotcha. So it came down to King, and he was guarding Kittle, and he's. He, He's basically just forced to run with guys across the middle of the field, like whether it was Kittle, whether it was Emmanuel Sanders, and they would just play action, and good old number 50 would just come crashing down, and they would just throw it to where he was replaced. They would just throw it to where he left, and it was just easy money all day, 12, 14, 10, just pitch and catch. And so that that's a matchup that I really think the 49ers will be able to take advantage of, just there, there's so much space that the Packers have doing, and they're they are a very good defense. Where just as far as taking away the big play, like the shot play, I think they do a, they do a pretty good job of that. We saw there was a couple plays in the Week 12 matchup where Shanahan drew up some really nice plays. He drew up a it was like a three vertical play to one side, where there was like a switch release, tight ends going down the seam, running backs coming out of the backfield and splitting the difference with a wide receiver on the on the wide edge. So we have three on two. Normally, you're going to get – somebody's going to dive on the wrong person, and you're going to either have number two or number one wide open. And the Packers were there. I mean, Sanders, I believe Sanders was a wide receiver. He looked like he was open, but that was like that's like a 40-yard throw 
across the field. No, you're not going to want your quarterback to make that. But I just think they do a good job of taking away the deep ball. But there's going to be, like last week, a lot of opportunity underneath and over the middle where it'll be it, – they may not hit the Packers with, you know, Kittle on a, a big sting route touchdown like they did in week 12. But it'll likely be, you know, death by a thousand cuts where they're they're just dinking and dunking. And, and I don't mean like three and four. I mean like eight and nine where it's just free yards that the Packers allow. What do you think uh, – what do you think about this – this dime against the the 49ers heavy personnel because we will see that where they're in 12 and 13 personnel and Pettens he's going to stand his ground man he's not going to change up what he does right um I I think the big thing like you said is going to be off of the play action shots um you know Jimmy threw two balls to Eric Kendricks last week um so I think you know the Packers if they if they have a way to win this game I mean they're going to need to get their hands on some of these Jimmy Garoppolo balls because I mean, uh, this is a 49ers podcast, so you guys are probably all in on Jimmy. But I, I think, you know, he's probably NFL average, which is totally fine. I mean, he's not getting really paid anything. You guys have a flexible situation. But um, as far as, like, winning this game, uh, taking away the quarterback situation, objectively, San Francisco's a better team. Um, so you have to make some plays when Jimmy Garoppolo gives you some opportunities, especially, like, Blake Martinez. Like you're saying, you know, Middle of the field stuff. Eric Kendricks was the guy who got hands on the ball last week. Um, I'm not sure what Jimmy was seeing because it seemed like both of those Kendrick plays, you could correct me if I'm wrong, were like the first read should have been where is Eric Kendricks on those post balls. <laughs> <laughs> and he just completely missed him. So I don't know what the hell he's doing there. Um, but, I mean, I mean, if that comes down to Blake Martinez, Blake, hey, man, please, for the love of God, get your hand on some of these balls because it's going to be you on the spotlight. It's going to be Kevin King deep shot on the spotlight. That's going to be it. So I didn't think Jimmy played well. And, and you know, some of the comments did not like that. I thought I didn't think that that was like a hot take to say that he did not play well. After the game, I felt like it was one of his worst games of the year just because the, it's the same mistake, that interception that he threw. But it wasn't just that. Like, it's not you can't just, you know, you. I feel like 49ers fans a lot of times they will – ignore the the throws that are dropped or the throws that are put in harm's way which there are like six of them honestly and it's it's things where he just takes his drop back and he's just staring a guy down as opposed to finding whoever the mic is finding the free guy whoever the whoever the quote-unquote rover underneath strong hook player whoever you want to call him and staring at him holding him to wherever he wants and then going to a ball like the difference of just, you know, holding defenders is is where, you know, Garoppolo's inexperience kind of shows. And that got him into trouble last week, but the Vikings weren't able to take advantage. I don't think that'll be a problem this week because, like we mentioned, Blake Martinez, the first time that these two guys, these two teams played, Blake Martinez was targeted six times. He gave up six catches for 72 yards. Three of those went to first downs. And it wasn't like Martinez was just eating or it wasn't like it was Kittle against Martinez. Uh, Kendrick Bourne got him. Both of the running backs got him. Emmanuel Sanders got just every essentially everybody who lined up got him. And it was a lot of the same last week where they got matched up against little play action and Russell Wilson went to work. Blake Martinez was just nowhere to be found, man. He's he <laughs> it is tough to be as out of position as he is. It seems like watching him, <laughs> like he he just wants to watch the game. Like he just wants to watch the ball and his eyes are going wherever the ball goes and he just forgets wherever his responsibility is. So kudos he, he made to, one good play on uh Russell Wilson in the open field. 
and I was like, oh my god, thank god, like that was his play of the year, because like Martinez <laughs> gets a bunch of tackles, but like he's he he like if this was like old school three four defensive structure, he would be the thumper, right? Like he would be the oh, AJ Hawk yeah, type you. of guy. And the 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 thing with Garoppolo, like you're saying. I mean, I, I don't think it's that bad to credit. I mean, he's a pretty young guy. This is the first year he's ever thrown over 200 balls in an NFL season, you know? So, like, when yes. you see clips where it's like he's talking to the center and he's making a check, and the center is literally looking back at him and saying, what do you want here? And he says, I don't know, right? I mean, this is basically, <laughs> this is basically like Garoppolo's rookie season in terms of in-season experience, you know? So I don't, I don't think it's that out of line to, you know, kind of put in question – how, how he sees the game, like physically sees it. Yeah, I think fans in general are just overprotective on a quarterback for any team, and especially just right. this being the first, you know, quote-unquote real season that he's he's played, had an offseason. And I think with San Francisco being so successful that, you know, they're they're a little more lenient on these throws. But, yeah, I, I think it's, it's okay to say that he played a, a bad game. That does not mean he's a bad player. But Russell, right. uh, going back to last week, Russell Wilson was 9 of 12 on play action, 117 yards. Eight of those went to first down. So I, I think that we're going to see a ton of play action. And it's a Kyle Shanahan offense. That was always going to be the case, but maybe even more so just stretching the Packers horizontally. I think that's going to be the key and getting getting isolation routes over the middle of the field, whether it's you know Martinez, whether you get King having to run across the field. I think those – those two are going to be the target, but I, I would avoid uh, Jair. I think he's a very good player. I think the more you, I think you can beat him, but the more you go at him, you're just kind of playing it with fire. But I, I also feel like the 49ers are going to have some success, like you mentioned, on the ground, right up the middle. I think that's where we've seen – that's what happened last week. They were just – they run what's called a sift zone where the fullback starts on one side, acts like he's running to that same side – comes to the other side of the formation they don't they don't block the defensive end or the edge guy and the fullback kicks him out and there's just room to run all day and that's what happened last week I imagine that's what's going to happen this week just on some sift zone weak side zone runs and they're going to have some success the I believe the Packers have been struggling um, as of late up the middle I think they're allowing yeah they're allowing 55 percent of runs to be successful right up the middle but if you just look on the left guard and left tackle essentially you can run all over the Packers if you run to the offensive left is that that's what the numbers say 60 percent of the runs to the left are successful 57 percent of the runs to the left tack or left guard 55 percent beyond the center is that what you see when you watch them um like I said a lot of it is like light boxes and stuff like that so I don't know if it's so much a left and right thing like those guys kind of flip around a little bit and Zadarius Smith is more of a you know pass rusher kicking inside than he is like a true um edge defender who's like an all-around run stopper and stuff like that um but the the big thing to me is like when quarterbacks get loose like Russell Wilson he he went for 64 yards and he must have gotten every single one of the those yards sliding in the open field against the Packers last week so I kind of worry about, you know, their whole boot game and stuff like that with San Francisco where it's like you at some point you got to decide, are you rushing the passer or not? Because you can't let a guy just stand there for 20 minutes in the pocket and have those deep crossers going across when you know Manny Sanders has got speed. They're running jet action stuff with Debo and every guy in their their backfield can go for 
80 yards at any point. Yeah, and one of the things that really helps this offense is all the pre-snap movement motion. And then there's like motion and movement during the play. So what we saw against the Vikings is all that movement and motion – Kendrick's had no idea where the ball was often. And the other linebacker, they, there were times where a simple motion would, would take them from the A gap to the freaking C gap. And they would just run up the middle and wash whoever the Vikings three tech was out. And it was just like, there's no reason to throw the ball when you're having that type of success on the ground. So it was a, it was a really good scheme that Shanahan drew up. And I, I'll be interested to see how much motion and movement they do, especially if they have the numbers advantage, because you know, with that light box, you have a linebacker and you have a 220-pound safety as your other – what, is that going to be your sixth player in the box? So I yeah, wonder if we're yeah, basically, more I mean, 11 personnel. They get, guard, they get guards on them. Like there's some bad clips of guards walking up to whichever safety is playing uh, dime. And then, you know, B.J. Goodson, who's their, their other inside linebacker when they're playing nickel, right? Um, when we talk about Blake Martinez getting lost – in coverage i mean uh bj goodson isn't any better and you'll you'll spot him out because he's a linebacker wearing the 90s in the 90s was that 94 inside linebacker. 93 93 yeah and then you're like why do we have an edge defender on that guy why do we have a slow edge <laughs> defender there and then you're like nope that's a base inside linebacker and you're like oh goodness i mean there's a reason why they're playing you know these dbs and stuff at inside linebackers because like Oren Burks and uh, guys like that haven't really panned out there. But my goodness gracious, we couldn't find someone like trade deadline, something. There had to be so a linebacker somewhere. That is like to, to Pedden's defense. Like that is good coaching because you you would rather lose with athletes just in space as opposed to just linebackers who have no idea what they're doing. But yeah, you, right. you it, it sounds like there's. I mean, it's kind of a catch-22 at this point. Okay, biggest biggest worry, uh, one biggest worry for the 49ers offense. For the 40, uh, Kenny Clark. It'd just be like yeah. Kenny Clark just going crazy because there, there was a lot of stuff where, like, uh, if you watch the end of the game, um, Seattle really did try to spread to run a lot, and Kenny Clark was taking, like, two or three guys and just basically crushing down gaps and stuff on slants. Um, so if he can do that, I mean – Ball has to bounce outside, and Dean Lowry can set an edge. So, um, if that and you know Zadarius Smith too. So, uh, if Kenny Clark really starts getting penetration on the inside, I, I think that would be a big worry for San Francisco's run game. And then once you take that away, I mean, it's play action shots, and like we said, I mean Jimmy can Jimmy will give you chances to make plays on the ball every once in a while. So, so the 49ers offensive line has struggled against the better, like some of the top tier defensive tackles, Aaron. Donald goes without saying everybody struggles with him, but Grady Jarrett's a very good player too. And they really just didn't have an answer for him as well. But the, I thought for some reason, I thought that the Vikings would be better up front, but good Lord there. Um, it was Jalil Johnson. It was uh, Linval Joseph. And they just, there was another guy in there. I forgot who it was, but they were just washing the three, whoever the three tech was over and over and over. He would start, if he started on the hash, he would end. There were plays where he would end up seven yards off of his spot. It was it was pretty amazing. They they were mauling, they were steamrolling the Vikings. I don't think that's going to happen this game, and that's why I think it will be closer. Then that's another thing, by the way. People feel like when you say 
this game will be closer than the last one. They th- they feel like you're saying that the 49ers are going to lose. Saying that a team will not win by 29 points is not a bad thing by any means. <laughs> In the NFC Championship game. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Come on, man. What are we doing yeah. here? So they're tough for time running the ball. They're not going to be able to probably run the ball 47 times, but they're going to ha- they're still going to be able to move the ball. It's just about them being able to convert and be good on third down, which they have been. Um, so let me let's get your. Will there be a turnover? Will Jimmy Garoppolo throw an interception? Yes or no? Will you, would uh, you bet that prop? Yeah. If, I, if you're giving me even money, absolutely. Yeah. What if I said Jimmy Garoppolo interception minus 165? Minus 165 for yes? Yes. I'll say yeah. Wow. This is the second playoff game. Yeah, because Petten's going to unload everything. Oh, for sure. Petten knows he needs to. They they can't. Yeah. It's not going to be a thing where, like, they can play conservative and beat San Francisco with defensive football. Right? Like, they're going to have to take some risks. And at some point, you know, you're either going to get the ball or you're not. But you're going to have to make some plays. He will. He really doesn't have a choice to empty that box because I, and I want to make it clear that he's not just going up against Jimmy Garoppolo and Jimmy. And he, he it's not like Garoppolo struggled the first time he, he went 14 for 20, 253 yards through two touchdowns. And just the game script allowed him to be very efficient. But I think Shanahan will put him in very good situations. And that's what happened. That's what he does to his quarterback. He's just a very quarterback friendly coach. The his, he has had plenty of success against Patton. So they played twice. One of the quarterbacks was CJ Beathard. Shanahan averaged 33 and a half points in two games. Uh, he ran for 143 yards against Patton's defense, and that was on um, per game. So 5.5 yards on the ground a clip. I, I think we're going to see a lot of similar. I don't know. He, he's They're not going to get to 30. I really don't think so. But I do think they are going to come close. I would not take that prop bet. I don't think they're going to turn over the ball, which is bad news for Green Bay. I will say San Francisco will score 27 points. What do you think? That sounds fair. I mean, yeah. they're going to, the Packers are going to need to win a shootout. Like I said, it's not going to be some conservative game plan. You need to get the ball on the defensive side and then just click on all cylinders offensively. And the Packers, um, this is a big difference between like playoff games too, right? It's like you start seeing weird stuff in playoff games. Like you can go back to Chargers. I mean, you're a Chargers fan. Chargers Baltimore last year, right? Where the Chargers are like, hey, we're just not going to play any linebackers. And then the Packers last week just all of a sudden start running basically a different uh, type of offense. And it might be because San Francisco plays so much base defense, but um, they're running way more jet sweeps, way more, you know, lateral moving plays. They broke out RPOs that they've never done before um, for that playoff game. So the playoffs are a little different. And coaches definitely, despite whatever you hear, they definitely hold back some stuff in the regular season so that they can call it in the postseason as a as a counter to what they've been doing leading up the entire year. And, you know, I kind of think Petten is probably going to go into his bag of tricks. Um, we'll see if Shanahan knows how much uh, Petten thinks, right? Because, I mean, they both used to work on the same coaching staff. So it's not yeah, like they're, they're not familiar with each other. I, and I think that does matter. So playing a game against each other so you have what uh that whole week to lead up and you know put your game plan together go in meetings all this stuff but coaching against somebody so every day in training camp for that season probably the entire month and count OTAs, OTAs or whatever so they he knows how Pettin thinks Pettin knows how Shanahan thinks obviously 
you know, they've both evolved since then. That was like five years ago, I believe. But I think having that sort of familiarity will go a long way because, as you said, coaches hold back in the play until you get to the playoffs, until you get to the, that biggest part of the season. And we saw that in week 17. Shanahan, like you mentioned, that you guys busted out RPOs. Shanahan was busting out RPOs. And that hadn't – I didn't know where that came from. I was waiting for that, but finally it came. And it was just Debo Samuel, man. And, that, and I think we're going to see a lot of that the same this week where they're going to have some success on the ground. Shannon, he, it seems like he just always knows the right time when to bust something out, whether it's a throwback screen, whether it's a play-action shot, whether it is an RPO or whatever it may be. Just he, he always seems to get his team in the right situation, and it's really just on them to execute. And I, I imagine that it's going to be a lot of execution this week. What? How many points do you think the 49ers score? I think 27 sounds fine, like you said. Um, that's That seems perfectly reasonable against this Packers defense. Um, I guess, you know, tempo would, would depend a lot on that. But Because uh, I think both of these teams, if they want to, they can get real slow or they can get real fast. Um, but 27 sounds fine in, you know, a vacuum. Yeah, I think – I believe I, I was looking this up earlier. I think both teams are like middle of the pack in terms of pace. I think San Francisco's 18. Yeah, but they, they can go fast or slow. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like like both of them can get big and just move the ball extremely slow. I mean, you watch the Packers run out the clock on uh, Seattle at the end of the game last week. So, Oh, absolutely. And speaking of that, the 49ers have a very, very, very good four-minute offense. And this is like one of the few teams in the NFL that if, if it's the end of the half and there's a two minute situation, they're still going to run the ball, which is absurd to me, but it, for whatever reason it works. And they break off. Like you said, the track team, Mostert, Brita, Coleman, these guys still break these long runs and then they get out of bounds. So it's like a passing play. It's, it's, I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe it because I've never really seen a team have that much success running the ball in two minute situations, but poor nines find a way, man. So we're going to take a quick break, but after that, after the break, we will get back to the other side of the ball. All right, now we're going to talk about the 49ers defense against Aaron Rodgers. So we started off talking about how Aaron Rodgers, he didn't play out of his mind. He just made some very, very good plays on third down. And the Packers got out to a 21-3 lead, but they did have to hold off against the, the Seahawks coming back. So... Uh, Justice, how? Let's talk about this. Uh, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers because this season, more than ever, we are hearing that Aaron Rodgers is no longer Aaron Rodgers, and we have some new stats, you can call them, that are showing that there is some sort of decline. But some say that there's been a decline on Rodgers' play for the last four or five years now. How do you feel about that? So I think that gets tricky because I think there's a bunch of different reasons. Um, for his decline in play. So, like, if you're looking at his film from the Washington game last year, uh, you could see him. I mean, they're playing mostly pistol, and he's pretty clearly playing on an injured leg, and it was his first road trip um, since injuring that leg because I think they started off the year back-to-back at home. Um, and he looked awful in that game, and the reason why is because he pretty clearly was hurt. I mean, they couldn't even go under center with him. They had to move him into the shotgun. Um, so it was almost like the old Peyton Manning stuff. Whereas this year, I mean, it doesn't take that long to look at his stats and say, yeah, I mean, he's pretty clearly he's having a drop of play compared to when he, he was being an MVP and all sorts of stuff. And people make excuses for the wide receivers and all sorts of stuff like that. But um, if you listen to the quotes that the coaching staff has, I mean, he's missing like what was the 
last game of the year. I think it was Detroit where they were running all those wheel routes to beat their man coverage. Detroit's a big man coverage team. Um, and they were running all these wheel routes, and he's missing those throws. And the coaching staff comes out and is like, you know, we really got to start putting him into a position where, you know, he can make – we, we, we got to do a better job of putting him in a good position, and people can't understand, um, like, how is that a bad position when he's throwing those <laughs> balls and he's missing them? Or, like, maybe his thing isn't throwing wheel routes to running backs, you know, 35 yards downfield, um, where you're starting to see – uh, him go back to the, you know, fade ball, back shoulder stuff with Devontae Adams. I mean, Devontae Adams had 160 yards last game, and the rest of the wide receivers combined had 19, right? So I, I think they kind of scrapped out um, some of the wheel route stuff and saying, you know, if we're going to beat man coverage, we got to do it in a different way than, uh, you know, wheel routes from the running back and stuff like that. Because the guy might be open, but if that's not playing to your quarterback's best skills, then that doesn't do anything for you. You know what I mean? So. I think they're still tinkering around with offense. Like I said, um, after the bye this past week, they started breaking out a bunch of different stuff. And it might have been just a situational thing against Seattle, but we'll see um, what happens. But, I mean, they're running RPOs kind of looking like uh, what the Philadelphia Eagles do. Um, they're running a lot of jet stuff. Tyler Irvin has become a uh, like gadget player for them and a better returner than what they had. They were in the negatives in return yards like through week 14 or something like that before they got Irvin. Um, so he's kind of become a gadget guy who runs jet stuff, sort of like uh, what the Los Angeles Rams did. So I think they're still tinkering around with the offense, um, but it's a lot more checks at the line of scrimmage, um, getting in the right run plays and all sorts of stuff. I think Rodgers does a real good job of managing that at the line of scrimmage, quick throws to uh, Devontae Adams. But a lot of this comes and goes with how Devontae Adams does and if Jimmy Graham can catch over the middle or not, basically. I'm glad you brought up Tyler Irvin, actually, because that is actually that is one of the the guys that I would be worried about. He's become a weird but, guy for him because he's kind of there's their speedy guy because you look at like their wide receivers. Right. Lazard's not a very speedy guy. Camaro's not a very speedy guy. I am guy. faster than Alan Lazard for the record. Yeah. Um, the only guy that they have who's like a real speed. I mean, Devante, for, for as good as Devante is, he, he's not really like fast for like a starting NFL wide receiver. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't label him as that. So like their one speed, like field stretcher type of guy really is uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling. But they started playing, you know, they play a lot of two back sets with, you know, be it Irvin or Jones or Jamal Williams, especially they do split that gun stuff and run a bunch of jet near the line of scrimmage. Um, so, yeah, they started using Irvin in the slot and using him as kind of a jet guy this past week. And I thought that was kind of interesting because I think. You know, lateral stretch is probably a really important thing when you don't have an offensive line uh, that was basically they were they were out um, Brian Balaga at right tackle and stuff like that. So it's not like you're going to be able to run outside zone the entire time and be able to control the edge that way. So I think he's been a key player for him just as like a speed presence, even though, you know, you don't really think of a, a guy who was a street free agent and is 192 pounds and was basically a career punt returner um, as a guy who can kind of change your offense. I think it's a great idea just because the 49ers, like the one area that they do struggle with is getting guys to the edge or just stopping guys getting to the edge. And not just any guy, obviously, but speedy guys, guys that can make you miss, guys that can um, just kind of just has a little wiggle, has a burst that you're not used to seeing. And I think Irvin definitely has that. So uh, speed is probably not so much matching speed with speed, but just getting guys in the open field. We saw with Lamar. We saw with Deontay Harris. Just a couple of guys that have hurt the 49ers have just been super speedy guys. But like you mentioned, uh, yeah, Devontae Adams, he, it's he's not – he's a four or five guy. He looks like he's lumbering, but he moves – like he just gets open. 
is what makes him so good? How how is he, you know, performing at this high of a level? I mean, it's almost like Jordy, right? Like that's really what it looks like to me. It's like he's a big physical guy who can make a couple moves in the open space, right? And sometimes when you're especially as an outside guy, right? You, for the most part, you have um, a cornerback on you one-on-one once you catch the ball on the edge. And if you can make one guy miss, you know, those balls can go long. Um, they do interesting stuff to get them open. I mean, that first touchdown to Devontae um, was basically, it was a fake switch release and he was just wide open. It, it basically ended up like he started outside, but from where his position was on the fake switch, to going back out, it was almost like he was running a slot fade, and that really tricked um, Seattle. So they do creative things to kind of get him open, but he can be their nine ball guy, he can be their fade guy, um, he could be their their back shoulder fade guy, and then they every once in a while, you know, you get off corners and they load up the box. Rogers will just go under center, grab the ball quick, and throw it out to him, and Devontae will try to make one guy miss on the edge. So, yeah, I, I really think that um, man, just. That first of all, that little switch release, whatever that was, that was beautiful. I've never really seen them. I've never really seen it ran like that, where he really sold it. Like he really went inside, and you thought he was crossing the field. Like it looked like the- slant flat or something. Yeah, it looked yeah. like just a basic West Coast quick game thing. And the corner bit, and then he gave up six. So the 49ers with Joe Woods this year have ran much, much more man match and zone match principles, especially down in the red zone um, near the goal line. So that'll be interesting to see if the Packers, you know, bust any other wrinkles out like that, because the one way to beat. Look for Jet, look for a fade ball to Jimmy Graham, look for anything to Devontae. That's basically what they do when they get man down there. That's. That'll be yeah, that'll be interesting because the one way to beat these type of routes are show something before at five yards, do something different after whatever their key is, whether it's linebacker depth, six yards, whatever it may be. But yeah, that'll be interesting. How about Aaron Jones? Because I feel like he is very, 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 very good. I know he didn't have, you know, his I believe he had a 21 yard run on like one of the first few series and after that finished like 21 of 62 for the rest of the game. So his stats don't look great, but I just feel like how hard he runs and just him being a threat out of the backfield as well makes him uber dangerous against, you know, just against any defense. So how do you feel about just Aaron Jones and the impact he can make in this one? Yeah, I think, you know, the juxtaposition between the Packers last two games is really interesting because you get like Detroit, right, where they basically are just playing man coverage across the board, essentially. And their go to was, you know, Aaron Jones has to touch the ball as a receiver, which is not a bad um, counter to man coverage is getting your running back in space when your running back can catch the ball out of the backfield like that. Um, just Rogers, it wasn't hitting those balls. And then Seattle, where it's almost the opposite, where they're playing a bunch of zone and they're basically playing base defense no matter what you throw out there. So it wasn't really uh, great looks in terms of the run game. And, you know, he wasn't really involved as a as a pass catcher but they did other things to get on the edge so you know it kind of depends i think this this offense is able to um change depending on what the fronts give them but aaron jones certainly when he's in the open fields he's a pretty scary guy because he's not he's not like Irvin, where you kind of want him want to get him on the edge like jones clearly has speed which is why he's kind of a threat um in, as a pass catcher um uh, but it's more that like he's able to sustain balance um, through contact, and he has those crazy legs that just able to keep him up, right? 
I was going to say his contact balance is unreal, man. Like right. somebody will come full speed at him, flying full speed, have an open shot, hit him, and he sustains the contact. He might, he might put his hand on the ground, but you know he he stays up and he's running through another like another um hit or tackle or whatever it may be. Like he's not even being hit. Like there's not even there wasn't even an initial hit. But the 49ers are just unreal at taking away running backs in the passing game. I I, I believe. At one point in December, they hadn't allowed 200 yards in the in the entire season to running backs. Just whatever that is that they do. I mean, obviously it has a lot to do with their linebackers and their skills. I was going to say, I, I could tell you what it is. It's um, speed. <laughs> speed. Yeah, so, Those guys are fast. Those guys are fast as hell. As, like, as somebody who like works on this side of the ball at the high school level – if you have athleticism at the second level, you're, you're allowed to do just so much more as a defense. And they got Quan Alexander back last week, which is a big deal. So now they have Fred Warner, Quan Alexander, and Dre Greenlaw. All these guys are – I mean, I don't I don't remember what Fred Warner ran, but he's smart enough, so it seems like he runs a 4-4. And then you have Quan Alexander and Dre Greenlaw, both like 4-5 guys. So they, they're, not, they're not only swarming to the ball, but I, I put out a little article the other day – where they're not biting on your stupid play action that you know all linebackers fall for. But you know this. You saw. You seen Blake Martinez. You seen every <laughs> linebacker. You, they see a run fake. They see the quarterback turn his back, and they're just run, 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 run. Where whereas these guys, these three, they just don't bite because they. I don't know if they're they're really reading their keys, and you know you'll see some coaches say it's a play action if. There's a, an invisible glass right there, and he just bumps the glass. The offensive, speaking of the offensive lineman, or if it's a run, they're gonna fire out and break the glass. If it's a pass, they're gonna go straight up and tap the glass. And for whatever reason, if it's run, the 49ers know it's the linebackers know it's running. They'll they'll come full speed ahead and take on the blockers. If it's play action, they're not budging. If it's pass, they're gonna get back to their zone. So this linebacker group is really insane. And what what makes them so scary is they're all so young. Did you know that Quan Alexander is like 25 years old? Really? How is that even and possible? He just, signed, he just signed a second deal, right? I mean, yeah. As a free agent. That, wow, that's really young. Two years older than Joe Burrow. What was that you cut out? Sorry about that. He turned 25 years old on August 3rd. Oh, he just turned 25, too. He's not even old 25. Goodness yeah. gracious. Yeah, he must have declared when he was, like, 20 or something then. Maybe, yeah. Um, that That's unreal to me. But so that's that's why they're they're so successful against running backs, just because, you know, speed, athleticism. And they're, they're good tacklers in the open field. And if they don't get a tackle, which there has been occurrences where Quan, Fred, Dre will miss one. But they're they're so fast that they are, they're able to force a cutback, slow them down, and – there's somebody else right there to clean it up for him. So the missed tackles on the 49ers defense is a little bit overrated stat just because they're – I do believe that, you know, with speed you're able to get to spots that most players aren't able to get to. But when you have 11 players that are fast or athletic, uh, it, it's really tough, man. So I, I do think Aaron Jones is dangerous, and I do think that they will have to – they have no choice to take the run game away and – it sounds weird to say you want to make the Packers throw the ball, be one-dimensional when their quarterback is Aaron Rodgers, but when there's no threat to run the ball against this defense and you have the pass rushers that they do. Right, exactly. It's it's, uh, it's tough sledding, man. So let, let's get into that. Uh, Justice, how do you feel about this? There is a stat in ESPN called pass block 
win rate. Let's talk about that. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if we should be measuring uh, pass rush success or failure <laughs> through shoulder chips. Um, I understand we want to make things faster and basically get instant uh, data and stuff like that. But I think there's a lot to do with the offensive line. That is more than, you know, did you let a guy within two yards of the quarterback? Um, as someone who's coached offensive and defensive line, like hand placement, leverage, a lot of this stuff matters. And uh, one of the biggest examples of that was I, I think they had Billy Turner as like the top guard in football at one point this year. And Billy Turner is not a good football player. So like he, he's uh, what, he, he could be a swing man. Play? He plays right guard. So he plays right guard, but he could swing to both um, guard and offensive tackle. But they don't really use him. Um, even when uh, – because they picked up uh, Jared Veldier um, off, of, off of waivers earlier in the year. So now he's their, like, sixth offensive tackle when guys go down. Um, so Billy Turner's kind of staying put at right guard at this point, even when Balaga's out and Veldier comes in. Um, if they bring someone off the bench, it's going to be uh, Alex Light, uh, the other offensive tackle. He is – as bad as Billy Turner. So, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, those are guys who, like, I mean, those are the type of guys where it's like they, if they know your system and stuff like that, I mean, you keep them around on the roster, it's hard to find offensive linemen. But if someone goes down and you have to start Alex Light, I mean, you make a move in free agency like they did where they brought in uh, Veldier and stuff like that. Like, you can't, you can't go out there and have Alex Light block Joey Bosa straight up every play 30 times a game. That's just not going to work. Jeez. Yeah, so – what what we've seen is this week and specifically today that you know Green Bay is a couple of Green Bay writers have been throwing out this pass rush and pass block win rate. First of all, the pass rush win run win rate, easy for me to say. They were saying that that they're referencing that because the Packers number was better than the 49ers number that the Packers have a better defensive line than the San Francisco 49ers. No. After further review, I can confirm <laughs> that is not true. Not even a little bit true. The so thing, I the do thing think... too, is the Packers have no depth. I mean, you guys rotate some guys up front. Like, after, you know, Kenny Clark, Preston Smith, and uh, Zadarius Smith. I mean, Dean Lowry can play a little bit. But, I mean, when Kylo Fackrell comes into the game, Rashawn Gary comes into the game, they're not really doing much. Yeah, the 49ers. The last time these two play, these two teams played, Demontre Moore, who is out for the season now, he was like the sixth defensive end for the 49ers. He, he was getting after Rodgers. They have insane depth. But now, so Demontre Moore is not going to play this time around. The first time these two teams played as well, they had DJ Jones, who was their one tech, who is a very underrated player and who's a very right. good player. Will's a good player knows. for a long time. I yes. Love yeah. Um. He so. The Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator, compared him to Brandon Meebane, a young Brandon Meebane. And I like that comp a lot just because the way that he plays, he will bully you, but he's also quick enough and sudden enough to kind of make that play, make a play in that little two-yard, three-yard bubble right behind that pocket, right behind the center. And he he just wrecked shop the last time these two teams play. I do think that'll be a loss, but they're trading. Essentially, they're subbing out Demontre Moore and DJ Jones and getting back this guy named D Ford. <laughs> who has not played much at all. He played, I think he played something like 22% of the snaps all season, just when you factor in how many games he missed. D4 did play 48% of the snaps last uh, last game against the Vikings, and he was a terror, man. He like When he's healthy, he is very, very tough to deal with. They kicked him inside, which is not fair. Like You shouldn't be able to do that in a game. You shouldn't be able to go uh, <laughs> Nick Bosa on the edge and D4 at the three. And then on the other side, you're going to go 
uh, Buckner at the three, and then Armstead at the six, whatever you want to call it. And then if they want to, they can throw Warner at the A gap. Like, come on, man. That's not. What are you gonna do against that? Yeah, exactly. And I, I think one issue that the Seahawks had, um, not even necessarily this game, but the entire year, is that both Clowney and Onsite were both banged up. You know, and I think you could tell that in the game that like their pass rush was in full force. Uh, Puna Four made some plays, but outside of that, I mean, I don't think Seattle had, you know, guys who could really penetrate like that. And San Francisco certainly has a ton of them. I mean. If you were to bet like the career earnings of those front four guys for San Francisco right now, I mean, is it going to be like a quarter billion? <laughs> like, <laughs> is it going to be like like if I set the over under like how much those those four guys are going to make in their pro in their pro football careers? It, it might be the over on a quarter billion. So I don't know, man. Like they have a good defensive line. We don't have to overthink this. Yeah, arm says is going to break the bank after this year because he had a really good season and yeah. they, they were trying to, to trade him Washington. at the deadline oh yeah yeah that was a big uh, thing. Uh, not not even at the, de- uh, the not at the, the draft at the, at the draft yeah exactly yeah i mean they were they were trying to move him at the draft because i know for a fact that it was between uh bosa and quinn williams and they were kind of hanging out solomon thomas and uh eric armstead out there to kind of help make their decision more clear if that makes any sense where they were like why do we need five of these guys when we could just move around one of these guys and then we end up with a guy. It basically like we swap out a need with a, a a fill, I guess, and then we add a draft pick down the line. But Eric Armstead certainly, I mean, it seems like he's getting better every year. I remember it was either his second or third year in the league against uh, the Buffalo Bills was the first time that I really started watching him and I really started seeing him uh, put it all together. Because I'm, I'm a Ducks fan, so like when Eric uh, – signed with Oregon as a five-star recruit. I mean, he, him and DeAnthony Thomas were like the two biggest recruits they ever landed. And I remember when Eric was playing basketball because he didn't want to lift weights and his dad uh, trains NBA players in the off season and all sorts of stuff. And Eric was a big time uh, offensive tackle recruit and they convinced him to play defensive line. He took a single digit number at Oregon so they couldn't move him to the offensive line. And also yeah, he wore nine, stuff. right? Yeah, exactly. So like he did all sorts of stuff to say like, I'm a defensive lineman and it's kind of taken him a little bit to kind of develop into who he is. But now that he's all the way there at his frame, I'm happy for the dude. I mean, he's made himself a ton of money this past couple of years. Yeah, he's been a killer this year. And we actually got into it on Twitter over in the offseason. He uh, so we wrote an article about, you know, it was an ESPN article and it's offseason like June. So filler stuff where ESPN right. said the 49ers should get rid of him. So we wrote that. And he thought that it was my it was my words that said that the 49ers should get rid of him. So he kind of came at me. That was fun. Um, but you just got to remember, now, players read everything. Oh, they, they everyone they searches search their, their names. names. Yeah, <laughs> everyone searches their name. So I'll Kevin, be in the locker room after the game, and these they're on their phone on Twitter, like typing in A R I K space A R. Like yeah. they want to know what was said about them. Like they're yeah. they're human, so I, it's tough to be mad at that because you know why wouldn't you want to know what people are saying? If you were famous enough where people were talking about you, you would probably want to know what people were saying about you too. Like in general, that's just the human brain. So I. Not going to be mad at that at all, but he, man, he balled out. Uh, so just getting back, circling back here, this goes without saying, the the best quarterbacks are going to tear your blitz up. And Aaron Rodgers is no different than this. Like the elite quarterbacks are just going to be very, very good against the blitz because they're, they are able to process 
so much faster than your average quarterback. So they can see what you're doing. They've seen these looks and they can kind of just digest or figure out where you're coming from. And then they know where to go with the ball, which is so important for a quarterback that I feel like we don't talk about enough. So looking I was, I was looking at some of Rogers numbers against the blitz this year he threw for, he threw, he had 148 attempts, 8.3 yards per attempt, nine touchdowns, no interceptions. Against no blitz, obviously a, a lot more attempts. He, he actually had exactly 300 more attempts. So 448 attempts against no blitz, 6.7 yards per attempt. But a lot of those, um, so he had quite a few attempts. And the reason that his it was 8.3 yards per attempt compared to 6.7 is a lot of those were throwaways. And I know that is a big <laughs> – yes, I know that is your favorite stat. So – I feel like – so I think that when you watch football, if a quarterback – would you rather have a throwaway and it's now second and 10 or would you rather have a turnover or a sack and now it's second and 17? To me, for a when you have an elite quarterback like Rodgers, a throwaway is just another opportunity for him to have, a ball, have the ball in a – 10-yard situation where you can have a normal chance to get a first down as opposed to taking sacks. And I think what makes Rodgers so good is he. I feel like historically he's been very good at taking care of the ball and just keeping his team in good situations, whether that is checking into the right run call, checking away from a blitz. And I, I think that last week we saw a couple of times where, you know, Cousins is running right into right into situations where they, they, they clearly don't have the numbers advantage. So we don't – we probably – I don't talk enough about that where just quarterbacks have a lot more responsibility against the run that than we get credit for. But how, how are these numbers? Is there anything to take away from these numbers? I mean, it's common sense to say you, you, you probably want to get after a quarterback without having to blitz him. But how deadly is Rodgers against the blitz just from the naked eye? And how much can we take away from these numbers? I think it's risky because, you know, against the blitz, it's usually when he's holding on to the ball too long and there's a stunt and he holds that half second too late is also when he's taking those sacks too, right? Like he's not a guy who necessarily, like you say, taking care of the ball, he doesn't throw interceptions, but he certainly does take sacks and all sorts of stuff like that. So um, I, I think, you know, those inside stunts and stuff like that is how he ends up doing that. But yeah, I mean, he'll throw it away um, for the most part. He doesn't try to throw interceptions. Um, he probably over the last two years, his interception numbers probably don't reflect how many balls have guys have gotten their hands on um so i i think you know if, if we're looking at like quote-unquote interceptable balls those numbers might have gone up in recent years um but for the most part yeah he's not gonna really turn the ball over he he's more likely to just throw it out of bounds and say screw it than throw an interception 30 yards downfield on a 50 50 ball so if i had to tell if you had to guess based on how based on watching last week 49ers vikings how often do you feel like – well, guess what percentage of time Cousins was under pressure on his dropbacks? And for the record, the 49ers only blitzed the Vikings six times. Wow. Um, I don't – I'm not sure. I remember Rashad came off the bench, right, in that game. So, like, maybe 50%. Rashad can't play uh, Rashad Hill. So, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was, like, 50 or something, something crazy. Yeah, no, it was so the 49ers pressured Cousins on 48% of his dropbacks. There we go. That is an pretty absurd good <laughs> number. Yeah, that was a great guess, by the way. But I guess if you're watching, it does seem like he was under pressure every other place. So that that makes yeah. sense. 
So this well, their, game, their interior struggled. It's like they got three Billy Turners on the inside, and then once Rashad <laughs> came off the bench, I was like, oh no, it's awesome. a wrap. Yeah. So the 49ers all season, they they don't have to blitz because they can get pressure with four. They've only blitzed 21% of the time during the regular season, which is the fourth lowest rate. And to they also generate the second most pressure. So on average, it was 28% during the regular season, but with when D Ford played. So that number does not mean anything because that was largely without D Ford. When Ford was on the field, the number was upward. I think it was around 38% which is by far and away first in the NFL. So 48% is just like la-la land. That's not a real number. Yeah, but, I mean, it's I mean, almost so- like old Seahawks stuff, right? When they had Cliff yeah. Averill, Michael Bennett, um, Bruce Irvin was coming exactly. off the bench. They were doing stuff like that. Yeah, so like, yeah, that's the, that's the big thing that I always think of with the Legion of Boom defense is people always put it on those defensive backs. Well, you know, if you're playing cover three, you're putting four guys in a low zone and you're only getting after it with four. I mean, that's a that's the hardest scheme to play in as a pass rusher. And what they were doing with their pass rush was amazing. I, I really do think that, like, when that Seahawks defense was really clicking, I think it was more because of that front than the back end. And I think we're kind of seeing that in San Francisco a little bit where we've had this discourse over the offseason about how coverage is more important than pass rushers. Um, San Francisco really didn't change anything in the secondary. They just had up-front talent. And that's what's really swung their defense. Yeah, I feel like if you watch the 49ers – play football this season and your takeaway is pressures matter more than sacks and coverage is more important than um, pressure. There's no way that you watch the 49ers game this year. There's just no <laughs> way you can come away with that because in December, their spoon is when, lunch too. Yeah. Which is crazy because he was so good early in the season. And even when he came back, he was still good, but then he just nosedived and it's like, he forgot to, like he forgot how to find the ball in the air. I don't know. I don't know what went on with him. But just getting back to um, just the defensive line or just the defense in general, the 40, the 49ers really struggled to bring down the quarterback in December. Like um, they didn't play with four and they, and they were they were banged up. They had a lot of injuries. But a lot of times these guys are there. So Bosa's getting in there. But on third downs, they would be on early downs. Teams were doubling Eric and Buckner. And then on third downs, they were doubling Bosa, just basically daring somebody else to win. So the 49ers were able to get pressure, but they were not able to get sacks. And because of that, defenses were able to score or sorry, offenses were able to move the ball. Or, you know, when you get pressured, that doesn't eliminate. You still have to play. You still have to um, make a play on the defense on the back end. And they weren't able to do that. When you when you get a sack, you eliminate any sort of downfield 50 50 ball or any sort of magic where the quarterback can extend the play and then as far as just the coverage and um, pass rush thing just look at last week when when you don't have when you don't have to cover for three seconds that makes the world of difference you can be as aggressive you can be physical and you know that the the pass probably isn't going to be as accurate because the quarterback's going to be under some sort of duress so I mean I, I understand that there are there is a lot of you know research and just um, what, how would you call it? Just research in general that went into this, but there are so many real life examples where I, I'm going to be, I'm going to probably die on this hill and just be an old man about it where sacks matter, man. It, that's the only way I could put it. Sacks matter. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Sacks are good. I hope the Packers get a couple of them. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, you don't have to convince me. I mean, Russell Wilson was running like crazy 
um, that entire game, like I said, he had over 50 yards and probably all of them came when he was sliding in open field because an edge uh, was given up. And when Preston Smith got that sack on Russell Wilson on third down, it was like the weight of the world got lifted off of my shoulders. I was like, all right, they're going to punt this thing. This is like fourth and 15. So, yeah, sacks are good. So so getting back to just sort of the 49ers defense against uh, the Packers offense, Devontae Adams was targeted 12 times for and had 43 yards in the first game. How many yards after catch do you think he had? If it was 12 and, and like three, three yards, were all those like those those quick throws uh, from under center or something like that? Like That's the little now screen, right? Yeah, the, the little now throws when he just has off coverage and they say, whatever, just try to do something. So Adams had was targeted 12 times, had 43 receiving yards. He had 44 yards after the catch. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that, I mean, that, that, kind of, <laughs> that tells you, so they have to, obviously they want to get their best player of the ball. That's what any good offensive play caller will do. They're going to try to manufacture touches for their best player. When you're not able to get your best player targets and touches down the field, you have to give him the ball at the line of scrimmage. And that's what they were doing. So last week, I believe he had, Adams had, what do you have? over like one he went over 100 yards right I think he had like 66 percent of the receiving yards last week because Seattle did this thing where they did not cover Adams which was a great idea love that do that all the time um that is not yeah, just going give to him happen. free releases and fade balls yeah that's, that's, the way, that's the way to stop Devontae Adams yeah so that was one of the first things you talked about just the game plan in general we're not gonna see those same things against San Francisco so um yeah they're they're going to move him around. They're going to move Adams around. He's probably going to, what I would do is I would line him up in the slot and I would just run off and just put K1 Williams on him, who I think is fine, but I don't think he's the man cover type of guy that, that can man up against a guy like Devontae Adams. He struggled against Tyler Lockett in week 17 a little bit. And when he goes against, you know, some of the better receivers, he struggles. So that would be my target. But again, he's not a bad player and you still, you're hoping that, you get him isolated where you don't have to throw over the middle where there's a linebacker waiting to get in throwing lanes or you are able to get him open on a route that's not going to take longer than 2.7, three seconds, whatever it may be, because as we said, they're they're coming. But I do think Adams is really good. And I think he's a top 10 receiver. And I also think that Jones is a very good running back. I don't, is it a hot take to call him a top five running back this year? Aaron Jones? I don't think so. I mean, everyone was bitching that he didn't make the Pro Bowl, so. Yeah, I, I thought it was very good this year. So they're gonna <laughs> My entire to... timeline is just Zadarius Smith and Aaron Jones didn't make a Pro Bowl to span the whole thing. Oh, gosh. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's, it's it's the same thing in 49ers land where there's there's always going to be people complaining about, you know, their favorite player didn't make it or their favorite player and their favorite team didn't make it. But we have to also say, who are you going to take off if you are going to put that person in? And nobody ever wants to talk about that part, but – um, I, I feel like we've done a good job, you know, covering uh, pretty much everything here. Uh, how successful do you see the Packers being? What, okay, let's do this. Will Aaron Rodgers turn the ball over? Um, I'll say Aaron yeah, because you're gonna Rodgers. have to get you're gonna have to get aggressive against San Francisco. I mean, more aggressive than you've been in any of these games this year. Because I think you're gonna need to take some shot plays because you're gonna have to catch up um, to them. And in terms of defense. Versus offense, I mean, you're behind the eight ball in terms of 
DB skill versus wide receiver skill and offensive line versus defensive line. So they're going to have to have they're going to have to do something. The interesting thing to me is going to be what the game plan is going to be for Sherm, because as far as I know, Sherm still doesn't really move off that left corner spot. And in the past, the Packers, when uh, they played, I, I could I can't remember how they did it against San Francisco this year. But I know in the past, I mean, they've had like Jarrett Boykin just line up against Richard Sherman for an entire game and throw opposite just of stand him. there. Yeah, <laughs> just kind of, you know, Revis Island type stuff where they go, all right, well, Sherman's going to take the guy on the right, so we're going to line up our worst guy on the right, and we're going to throw it to the left. So I wonder yeah, that- if that's their game plan this week. Because, I mean, all the stuff that Rodgers does well, right, when they went back to their kind of bread and butter this past week where it's like nine balls, slot fades, back shoulder stuff. I mean, you don't want to do that against Sherman. He's a long dude who can get his hands on the ball. So You don't, and so that's what – frustrating so much just watching when they get down like so when dk metcalf was going to work when julio jones is going to work it would just be a receiver lined up on the left side of the offense and they're just going at who like it was witherspoon but and sometimes it was mosley but they're just going at whoever and not even so you're dropping back and oftentimes the quarterback's going to scan the field nope not here they're not even looking his way i do think that he uh, richard sherman has played very 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 well but I don't think that he's as good as some of his PFF coverage um, coverage numbers would indicate because he's put up some really good stats. I think his success rate is more indica- um, indicative of just how he's played this season. Just speaking of just moving Sherman around. So last week he played three snaps in the slot. He played 38 snaps on the left. On the course of the season, he's played 22 snaps altogether in the slot. 800, 803 at left corner. He has never played on the right side. I'm pretty yeah, sure that see, that. like <laughs> that's what I'm saying is I, I'm I'm kind of interested to see what they even do on the right side or if they could just go nub or something like that to try to, to try to get him into a situation that he hasn't been in because I can't see anyone other than Devonte having any sort of good result against Richard Sherman and you, I don't think you want to spend Devonte out there and live and die eye off of that matchup the entire time so I think you got to play games on that side but I don't really see another guy who can really beat him because like all right so Lazard is a big guy um that I still think you Devo- yeah I still think Devonte is better on any of the the routes that you would run with him and it's not like they really have any burners um I guess maybe maybe a one play action shot to like Martez Valdez Scantling if you like set up your game plan around that but I can't see Sherm giving up a bunch to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Valdez-Scantling. And that's really the only other guy that I could see that could kind of create in that matchup. So I'm kind of interested to see what they do. If, if I were them, I would probably try to do some nub stuff and get him on the other side or get him into the slot or something. Make him go against a tight end, which gives you matchups on you know linebacker versus uh, wide receiver on the other side of the ball. They're just going to throw 16 out there against him? <laughs> Whoever 16 <laughs> hey, is? Jake Camaro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go over there, block him into the sideline. <laughs> block him into the sideline uh, every play, even on pass plays. So when you do get into these nub situations or these just condensed splits, he will come down and he will press you. And that's actually how he got the interception against Thielen. So he's actually pretty good in those situations. I mean, there's not many situations where Sherman is bad. It is really just like timing stuff where 10 yard out and it just one, two, three out where, right. well, he's not he that quick of a guy. He's just a very smart guy. Who's very long. Right. Yes. And he, he knows how to use the sideline as his, I mean, the sideline's a defender. 
right? So he knows how to use the sideline as his helper. Um, but he's not, yeah, he's not a quick guy. He's not a guy who could live in the slot or anything like that. So I think trying to get him in space somehow, you got to figure out something to do other than just line up a guy and just make it 10 on 10 instead of 11 on 11. Yeah, if your plan is to just isolate him and throw curl routes or throw slants, he's going to eat your lunch. If if you get him on an out route once, that'll probably be the last time. So he's very if he does make a mistake, he's not going to make the same mistake twice. He's a very good player. Listen, like even at this right. age, he is he is a lot like, you know, what we're used to seeing. And on the other side, honestly, Mosley is He's not. I'm not gonna say he's just as good, but he's a very good player. So every Niners lot, fan uh, I know says, is like, "Why is Witherspoon playing over Mosley?" I, <laughs> I mean, we wrote about it leading up to the game all year. There's or all week. There was no reason for him to be in the. They pulled him on the final possession of the biggest game of the season, and then they started him the next game. It. How does that even make sense? Why would you do that? You you crush his confidence, and then you're gonna throw him out there again, like, "Oh, go get him." Sure enough. Pass interference, slant, uh, 40-yard bomb, <laughs> shocked. Uh, who would have saw yeah. this coming? That was – so did you know this? He has given up the last five touchdowns for the 49ers. Witherspoon? Yes. Nobody else scored. I just, say, he's, he's your Kevin King. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just throw it to him. But with, it's – I don't know. Roads open. Just uh, roads open, kitchens closed. Man, I didn't get a chance to write that, but I wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> The safeties are also very good. We haven't talked about them. Jimmy Ward was another guy that people felt like was a Pro Bowl snub. That he didn't get talked about very much, but he probably should have made it over Buda Baker, who, like you mentioned, was Blake Martinez tackles tackles, but he didn't really make any plays. Jimmy Ward and Jaquiski Tart, both high school teammates, which is weird to be in the NFL. Those guys are on the same page. Uh, a lot of range, very smart players, guys that really recognize routes and don't make mistakes. And I think that will be the difference. These guys are on the same page on the back end and then they have the front four that'll just dominate you so what how many points do you think the Packers score let's say like 18 I don't know how they get to 18 but 18 <laughs> I, okay. I, yeah I just did the math quickly it was like I should have said 17 but so we're talking about this and my so my guess or what I'm thinking and just you know when I you dig in these games you, you think of so I don't think the 49ers are gonna get to 30 I think they're going to get to 27. I don't think the, the Packers are going to get to 20. I think they're going to get to 13. Just when you give a little leeway for a couple points, the under makes a lot of sense in this game. What is it at, 45 and a half, or is it 47? I, I don't remember. 40, 45 and a half is usually what they're at. I'll check right now. So the under just feels like a lock in this game for all the yeah, reasons. 46, about. 46 and a half, depending on the book. For sure. So my prediction of this game is 27-13. I feel like we're not going to see a lot of um, a lot of just heavy pace, a fast pace where you know they're, they're up tempo, they're moving the ball. I don't think there's going to be a lot of big plays which lead to scores. And I also think that there won't be many turnovers. So because of that, I, I think that it'll be a, a quote unquote lower scoring game, which is weird to say when you predict one team will score 27, but that kind of tells you what the other team will do. I think they get to 13. I do think. They're going to have success early on just because I think LaFleur is a good game planner, game scripter. That first script usually does well in the games that I've seen them. But after that, man, they, they just don't have much of an answer. What? Why do you think that before we wrap this up? Why, why do they get out to these hot starts and 
you know, the Packers just kind of hold on for dear life. Is is that true? Is that am I saying it right? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what's happening in these games. Um, why? I'm not totally sure. I mean, they kind of went back to the Jets stuff and hit it multiple times last week. And I think that RPO came in like the third quarter. Um, so it seems like they're they're adding more stuff now. Um, but a lot of it might just be the looks that they get at the line of scrimmage where, you know, if the Packers do get a lead, it's probably off of some weird long pass play to either Devontae Adams or Aaron Jones. And then defenses come back and Rodgers has a lot to work with at the line of scrimmage right now. Um, a lot of uh, freedom, I guess you would say. So it ends up just being like getting us into the perfect run plays and stuff like that, which kind of bogged down your offense a little bit. So um, I wonder how much of it is just kind of the checks versus the play designs. Um, but I guess we'll see this week because, like I said, last last week's offense looked different than it has been before. And, you know, the Packers have never really been – as weird as they've had this season where it's like a lot of close wins and stuff like that and kind of keeping leads and stuff, um, they've never really been in a must-win game. I mean, they're 13-3, and three and they made a second – they made the second seed. So it's not like they've been in an elimination game with LaFleur before until this past weekend, so – I am. I was just thinking about the score, and so Devonte Adams said that they have a different game plan this week, and things will be different. What else is he supposed to say? We were very happy about what we did <laughs> last time, and we are going to do exactly what we did and just hope for better results. Like, come on, man. Some of the media questions just all week have driven me insane. Just terrible questions. Some dude asked Jimmy G about his ACL injury. What are we doing right now? Who let this guy <laughs> in here, man? Especially when you have guys like Shanahan who are like actually willing to talk and stuff like yes, that. Like Shanahan gives talk great ball. quotes. Yeah. So yeah, kind of spending stuff. A lot of people in the media don't really know ball, and that's not a bad thing. You didn't go to school to learn football and ask questions about football. You went for journalism. But I wish some guys would ask some better questions sometimes. Yeah. If you, if. You guys ever, you guys listening ever, just read, look at the transcripts that we send out. Some of the questions are just a joke. We're just wasting time. And I'm just watching the the coaches and the players face. Just, are you serious? Like, what are we doing here? But whatever. Okay. Um, so I have 27-13. I'm going under. And I feel very confident. Confidence, confidence level, probably a eight or nine on the under and then San Francisco covering seven, seven and a half, whatever you got it. Hopefully you got it seven and you're smart and better the night it came out. But if you didn't, sorry, um, I feel confident. Probably I'll say seven and a half, eight that they'll cover. I, I really don't see this being a game where, you know, I, I, okay, let me put it like this. It'll be closer to a two possession game. than it'll be a three point game or three or four point game. And that's, that's why I'm confident. Just, Everything that I've seen, just the matchups. Uh, how do you? What do you? What do you think? I I would take the under, but I actually think you know I got it at seven and a half. I would take Green Bay seven and a half, but I don't necessarily think that they win. So. No, that's fair. And just okay. One of the things that that has been throwing me off is just so the perception is because Green Bay was thirteen and three, and the Vikings were ten and six. That Green Bay was a much better team than the Vikings. Uh, true or false? The pack, the the Vikings are better than the pack. I think they're better at certain things. I think they're about even in terms of overall talent level. I think their game plan was pretty bad, very bad. Yes, and that's where it comes. Like that's where because like you were you were you were saying like you know those defensive tackles were getting washed down and they played those ends outside of the the uh, tight ends and stuff like that. So 
I mean, they weren't helping their defensive tackles at all, and they were just getting washed down the entire time. If Eric Kendricks catches a couple of those balls, maybe the game is different, but I don't know. Yeah, and it probably is, and, and that's why I can I can see this being a low-scoring game just because, you know, if that happens, Shanahan will shut that shit down, and he's not going to put the ball in harm's way. Like, he'll, he'll manufacture other ways to move the ball down the field. So uh, the reason I brought that up is because I was writing. I was just looking at some of the stats between these three teams and obviously Seattle. So big fan of point differential, which is very, very basic. The Vikings were plus 104. The 49ers were plus 167. The Seahawks were plus seven, which is amazing. <laughs> and the Packers were plus 63. And then how do you feel about um, simple rating system? That stat that Pro Football Reference has, which is essentially like schedule adjusted margin of victory. Does that do you okay. put any stock I, into that? I, I haven't ever put any value into it, but it makes sense to me on surface yeah. level. When, when we're and we talked about this a little bit, just when you're trying to adjust for opponent, yeah, and surface, and that's what I try to keep it surface level. We don't need to dig too deep in the stats, but uh, so simple system or sorry, simple rating system, which as I mentioned, schedule adjusted margin of victory. The Vikings were 5.4, the Packers were 3.2, the Seahawks last again 2.7. What would you guess after saying that? What do you think the 49ers are at? Like eight something. 11 11 goodness gracious yeah. yes <laughs> yeah and, they're, and again they're a football team i i think them and kansas <laughs> city were them kansas city and baltimore were the best teams entering the playoffs in my opinion and i think kansas city and san francisco are the two teams that are you know they're they're big favorites for a reason this week i agree and um do, are, do you are you sitting on any futures tickets uh at this point no i took baltimore for Super Bowl so it, odds. So it sounds yeah, great. It sounds great now that it worked out this way. So I have San Francisco plus 325 if they win it all. Um, that would be lovely. You can actually still get them at plus 165 as of last night, which is amazing to me. I think the, the Chiefs are even money if you want to do that as well. Why wouldn't you bet that? Uh, I guess just honestly, I would bet on a Kansas City, San Francisco Super Bowl rather than anything else, right? Where you pick, that, pick that the Super sense. Bowl matchups. I think I would rather have that because, I mean, I, I can't really see Tennessee, you know, putting in a monkey wrench into uh, what Kansas City's going on right now. I don't think they could survive that way. Because, I mean, they're, they're trying to shorten games and stuff like that. Kansas City will stretch a game out because they could just pass the ball to guys who run four threes the entire time or <laughs> toss it up to Travis Kelsey. It's not very fun playing against them. The this season has been great for my speed brand because when you have speed on the field on both sides of the ball, you just put so much pressure on the opposition and you can also do so much. And it, it, it doesn't have to be like um, big, big, strong guys like Derrick Henry. He, like he, he's very good because he can run through tackles. He's also very good because he can outrun you. Let's be very clear about this. Oh, yeah. So, he'll win on the edge. Yeah, and against DBs, not just linebackers right. and you know ed edge guys. He's he's outrunning defensive backs, and the 49ers stacked at, at essentially every skill position with speed. Again, Kittle is very powerful, will run through tackles. He is also faster than everybody who is guarding him. That is why he's open so much. Right, exactly. Um, so, yeah, speed is great, and my brand is great because – 
of that. So thank you, Chiefs, and thank you, 49ers, for building your team around guys that are faster than everybody else. Um, that should do it for us. I don't think there's anything left to talk about. Justice, are you – what are you – where are you watching the game or what are you doing this weekend for the game? I am going to watch it alone in my house is what I decided. Because there's yeah. a Packers – there's a Packers bar in Portland, um, but last time I went there was the last Packers 49ers game. I went with a buddy who works in NFL analytics, and he was in town, so we decided to go catch the game, and it was a bloodbath. So I don't want to go back for the bad juju. <laughs> so, yeah, I um, these, these games have been fun, obviously. So I always wonder what everyone else is doing for the games. I, I see some people, you know, have giant house parties for it, which is always nice. Oh, absolutely not. I'm not trying to be around people other than yeah. my girlfriend who can see me cry. Yeah. I just need, yeah, it's going to be me, uh, probably some brewskis, and Twitter.com is what it's going to be for the game. So Twitter Twitter is always a fun watch just to see the overreactions, you know, from from one play to the other. That's, that's – it's a good time, man. So um, – what are we drinking, first of all? Oh, man. Probably some cheap PBR or something like that. I'm wow. Yeah. Yeah. You are, are you, like, trying to get people to hate you? So Domino's Pizza <laughs> and PBR. Are you doing this on purpose? Look, I grew up broke, and I'm kind of putting myself in a position where I never outgrow that and ever kind of up my spending. So this it's is where I'm at. I might die this way, and I'm, I'm fine <laughs> with it. I'm Love okay it. with this. I was bathed I in trash, so I, I don't ever have to come out Jesus, of it. Jesus, man. <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate your brokenness because I am a lot alike. So I will always, always, you know, live at my lowest means if necessary, just because that's what that's what I'm used to. Like, I got a big family, so not used to having all these things. So I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of money and never will, hopefully. So, Justin, where can we follow you on Twitter? J-U-M-O-S-Q. All right. For any for if you guys are if you want to troll justice, if you want to do anything to justice, please go to his Twitter page and you just just tear him a new one. Do it. Say yeah, whatever. Give you me want. all the Jimmy Garoppolo takes. I'm please. sorry about what I said. OK, if, if the 49ers win and if Jimmy Garoppolo throws more than two touchdowns, go on Twitter at J.U.M.O.S.Q. and just give it to him. Any stat you want, any any <laughs> meme, we can whatever you want to do. Let's just fill that. Let's go. <laughs> yes, they are. Um, we can go on a whole other tangent about that, but uh, that's funny. Uh, you, you guys follow me, KP underscore show. Obviously, going to be writing about the game leading up to it and everything in between. Justice, thanks for joining us. We're going to get out of here and go Niners.